it was a hardy boy mission and charge to unravel sounds from the stars sometimes it's pure babble but back to the gravel we comb the blocks looking for the predators that roam the blocks no gang tax payer outsmart the fox it's the red taking politics that run the blocks put up a grid of the city and connect the dots residents are meal tickets must protect the stock investments in black tasers and black jackets interacting with scholars on down to crack addicts dead beat dads vanishing like black magic plus mom's prostitute to survive and that's tragic traffic stops reported on dashboard cams or attendants complaining about landlord cams and that's only part of what's addressed on the beat plus detention at the station so we're stressed on the street no sweet taste for tongues that don't eat beef rising in the ghetto sometimes we don't meet colder tired of the odor of the street tired of the street like tired of the freaks tired of the i ain't mean to do it help a brother out fam you ain't really black studio this is marv the sarge and i got the good lieutenant hey how you doing today all right. all right i got the good bishop hey hey hey. all right and i got mr blake all right on the line yo, yo. all right and we gonna we gonna get the show popping so you know what i forgot to put the name on the title here it's streaming right now with nothing so i'm gonna, I'm gonna type that in but uh while i do that i'm gonna give the lay of the land so, to today's topic man uh, here on Two Blue Be Black, Too Black to Be Blue, uh, is um, can I just be black all the time? All right, that's the title of the show today. And, and the reason why I thought about that was, you know, of course, this week we had uh, uh, the vice president, presidential candidate, uh, Joe Biden, make his selection of uh, uh, Kamala Harris, and she's the first African-American female uh, vice president uh, candidate and you know um, when they made the announcement they didn't just say first African-American female candidate you know they said uh, first African-American Asian and then one other media said uh, black and um, Indian so it was the biracial multiracial you know much like with Tiger Woods uh, which of course he, he introduced that but still you know when Barack Obama you know, it was black and white. It's never, you know, just African-American unless there's a negative connotation. And, and we see that all the time. So, uh, you know, that this resonated in my mind when when uh, when we were listening to this uh, announcement. It was like, wow, OK, uh, right there, you start watering us down. You know, we can't achieve this 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 level of uh, of uh, uh, honor uh, unless we share it with another culture, another ethnicity. Uh, and so that's that's the, the base topic today. And then, of course, the the, the, the national uh, the post office being under attack with the IQ 45 and then uh, and then also nationally, man, this pandemic violence all across the country, especially here in Rochester. So those are the three uh, topics, of course, with the, the, the primary being, uh, you know, can I just be black all the time? You know, it's a base topic. But, uh, yeah, that that's the opener up. So. Hey, what, what, what's good, man, going on uh, out your way, uh, P? Uh, you know, what's new and exciting since we talked last? 
Did I lose your pee? Uh-oh. Yeah, we got straight. Oh, okay. All right. Well, hey, Bishop, then you started out then, and, we, and we'll find out what happened to him. I'm going to check my phone line and see what happened. Maybe he, uh. Well, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad to know that um, my president, to be President Biden, has chosen uh, Kamala Harris as his running mate. And ever since that has taken place, I've been watching the firestorm uh, on social media regarding that particular pick. And it's very interesting that, you know, we want to call out whether a person is black enough uh, to represent. And I just think it's, I think it's a ludicrous thought. Are you black enough to re- represent? Now, I, I, I want to go back to something I don't think you mentioned, but uh, Joe Biden made a, a, a comment earlier in the week or last week, whatever it was, that uh, 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 Hispanic folks were more diverse than black folks. At least that's how it came off. And when you look at uh, a lot of Hispanic folks, they are from uh, Mexico or Puerto Rico. If they're light enough, they're able to pass themselves off as uh, Caucasian or uh, something other than Hispanic. And so I think that particular comment was, was not far off base. But when you look at Kamala Harris and you look at the makeup of her uh, her DNA, her father is Jamaican, her mother is Indian, and I don't know about you, but I've seen some Indians that are darker than me. So um, I consider her I, I consider her a black woman. <laughs> you know, you know, her mom may have been a, a lighter, a fairer skinned woman, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, that she's black. Now. There's something else to be spoken of because we also know that there are people of color who don't tend to identify themselves with blackness, as, as I'll say American blackness. And so, you know, that may be an issue. But in all in all, we have a black woman who's running for vice president of the United States. And if you are apt to get uh, IQ 45 out of office, then it shouldn't matter whether her color is, she could be plaid for all I care. Let's go ahead and vote for that team so we can get these other folks, this other uh, guy out of office, and then we can deal with them uh, later. That's right, my right. Thing. But, oh, okay, I'm sorry, Blake, you were going to say something? No, I mean, I no, was go just going to, I was going to piggyback off of that and just say, um, I just think the black community has to sit down. Like, what does that statement even mean? She's not black enough. Like, what? Like, who? What is even black in the first place? Because like a lot of people look at see black and they think, oh, I'm African or something like that. But realistically, the year is 2020 at this point. Nobody is purely African or probably even majority African at this point. You know, everybody's well, DNA. You know, if you really get into it, is probably going to have a whole lot of Native American. And, and, and all types of other stuff in there. So, like, to say that she's not black enough, like, I don't really know how far you can even really take that thought. Like, how black well, the thing are you is, at the is end that of the day? A lot of people, a lot of people are going to look for African-American. They want to be black, black. They want to be the Wesley 
Snipes black. They want to be the Monique black. Mm -hmm. Okay, kind of like a situation where you look at you can look at an individual. I'll, I'll use Wesley Snipes as an example and say, well, he's African American. He may be mixed with something else, but his complexion says no. That brother is mm -hmm. African American. Okay, now everybody else, you get Tiger Woods. Okay, daddy was African. His mother was white. And you have some white people saying, well, they're talking about he's he's, he's at first African-American. He's also half white. So we can also say he's also Caucasian. And then you have Kamala Harris, uh, Jamaican and Indian. You know, you got idiots, idiots on the, on, on the radio, idiots on TV, idiots on Twitter. Wow, she's not African-American. She's uh, Indian-American. She's, uh, oh, she must be Jamaican-American. Well, remember, Jamaica or Jamaican is not a race, okay? Jamaican is not a race. Jamaicans are part Caribbean, part African, which which makes them African, you know, uh, uh, with an ethnicity, all right? So now this African ethnicity with Indian, okay, then you got African Indian, African American. It's re it is just totally ridiculous that these people, the first day, the first 24 hours, they're trying to say, well, what is she? What is she? What is she? Were, were they saying that six months ago, seven months ago mm -hmm. during the primaries? No, they weren't. Okay. And then you get IQ 45 talking about, well, I, I heard yesterday that uh, she may not even be eligible, uh, you know, talk about where she was now, where she was born. Okay. Anybody with any common sense knows that if you are born in the United States, regardless of what your parents ethnicities are or whatever you are an american citizen now if you want to have a dual citizenship with your parents country you can do that all right if this is the best the republicans can do at kamala harris they are in deep doo-doo okay because she's going to tear mike pence a new frame okay and they're going to go after what's going on now and hopefully they'll be very successful but for them to do this mess try to start this birtherism, try to decide, try to figure out, well, what is she? What is she? What is she? She is an African-American female, okay, with uh, uh, Indian in her ethnicity, Jamaican in her ethnicity, all right? But in, the biggest part is that she's a United States senator, a citizen, a female who has been picked to run alongside of Biden to become the uh, vice president. That's what we're talking that's what we should be talking about but it's ridiculous well, just, but this is, you're right this is so embarrassing this is this is remarkable that they are stooping to this crap this birtherism crap they could this is crazy a better case i mean there's plenty of stuff well, you could probably bring up against kamala harris you know b between the imprisonments and all the other stuff that she was into but yeah the first the first thing they want to jump on is how black she is so i don't know that's that's weird this is crazy you know why this is this is people who are let's let's make let's put it like this the republicans have fallen off the cruise ship and they are floundering in the middle of the ocean drowning all right this is what's going on and they're trying to find something that's going to stick with their base even I, I hope to god their base isn't that damn stupid to think oh wow she's uh she's not a citizen she was just like obama i mean i know some of these folks are stroking a dog in the trailer park but they can't be that damn stupid they can't be and for them to, but for them to believe it is like they are just putting everything else to the side and following their dear leader, and they're yeah. gonna pull, yeah. a, they're gonna pull the rest of us right off a cliff with the type of stuff they're trying to do. 
the but, post office, social security, and Medicare is ridiculous. But again, that, it, it, just goes, it just goes back to, again, that systemic racism when we talk about uh, the media, we talk about, um, you know, anytime that you have some type of crime or some type of negative uh, news cycle that's happened that, that involves a person of color, there is no question. As soon as it is this, happens, is this systemic? Is this systemic really? This no, is I, I, this but, is gone. This has gone way farther past systemic, but, but this or is, institutionalized. But, but again, this is personal. This is this is a perspective that I have. You know, it could be right, it could be wrong. It, it's, it's it's mine. I own it. But when I sit down and I watch any type of uh, mainstream media news, okay, it's always as soon as this uh, event takes place, a negative event. Oh. Uh, male black or female black. There's no question. You know, they they immediately talk about uh, the, the Chicago. Everybody pulls that right out there behind. As soon as it, Chicago's all the shooting, the black inner city, the urban. But when it comes down to uh, an event where there's a, a, a white uh, suspect, then it, it it grows silent. You don't hear any description of ethnicity or race until probably the second or third day in, if that. Um, you know, they just keep talking about, well, the shooter or the person did this or did that, but they don't want to, they don't want to identify readily. Now, when, uh, you get a person of color, specifically African-American that does something, uh, noteworthy, then, you know, oh, well, they're, they're, uh, they're African-American and, and white, they're biracial, they're multiracial. They always water it down and put another race in as if that is the validating factor of why they, they uh, ascended to this level or, or to achieve this, this uh, noteworthy uh, um, uh, accolade because that was uh, not only black, but they had another element that was to their ethnicity. And unfortunately, hmm. unfortunately, race is the, uh, is the fire, all right? Race is the fire, and they want to throw all this other stuff in to, make, to have this fire grow. When you look at uh, voting and you look at the voting polls and all that type of stuff, now it's like I, you know, I sit here and look at this, oh, well, uh, uh, we're talking about uh, white voters with a college degree, white voters without a college degree, black voters, white voters, black voters in, 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 in the urban areas, white voters in suburbia, white women. Oh, Trump is, Trump is down seven points to white suburban women and blah, 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 blah. They want to break up everything and put a racial aspect on it. All right? They don't want to just say Trump. Oh, Trump is down seven points to suburb, uh, women in the suburbs. Okay, but no, they got to add white women. Well, have you have you talked to black women in the suburbs? Huh? Right. What? But, but again, Trump or should I say IQ forty five, he introduces this stuff. I mean, he went after Obama when he was uh, running. Oh, he's he's not American. The man was born in Hawaii, but they uh, Hawaii's not American enough. You know. Now she's the born problem in is she's born I saw in people. I saw something smart though. Where wanna they go ahead and do that. Yeah. They don't understand. Let's be clear about something. Uh, Trump didn't, he wasn't smart enough to introduce brotherism. Yeah. What he did was he popped up on the Tea Party platform when they, when they were talking about whether Obama was an uh, actual citizen. And Trump just was famous and, and, and really, you know, made something of it. But uh, he wasn't smart enough to come up with that on his own. So let's not give him that credit. Yeah, that's, that's how many, important to point out. How many, people, not... how many people said 
in the news, how many other folks, millionaires, billionaires, wannabe millionaires, wannabe billionaires, how many of them said, ah, well, uh, I'm sending several of my investigators to uh, Hawaii, and we're going to look into this, and we're going to get documents and da-da-da. When he did that, people in the media was like, huh, what, Trump is sending people to Hawaii? You know, he was getting that platform because he was sending, he was making some type of squawk in news because everybody's saying, well, wait a minute, why is, you know, Trump, why is he sticking his nose in the, sh in the stuff? Why is he doing this? He's trying to find a reason. He's, he's trying to stoke racial division. Even back in, now this was 2011. This was three years, four years after Obama, you know, even got elected. He's still poking around and people, you know, people are saying, wait a minute, we have the documentation. We have it from the, from the state of Hawaii, you know, He's the, uh, Obama's the president of the United States. He was born in Hawaii. Let's move on. Nah, nah, nah. I'm sending some people over there. And then, I, you know, then he offered up money, you know, the, the, for his birth certificate or information. He was doing all this stuff because he knew black people was going to say, you know what? Trump is a goddamn idiot. That's the type of stuff he, he wanted. But he but ain't, Trump, though. Realistically, yeah, all right. Trump is doing at the end of the day is 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 maximizing off the opportunity that's already been laid in front of him. The reason that he's able to make these claims and get away with them and get a following behind him that supports him when he says this crazy stuff is because we continue to to uh, succumb to this whole racial you know uh, construct that they've they've established within the country. You know, uh, they they make you feel like black people are lesser or whatever, and then or or you know or whatever, and then he just he. He's not the one that established any of this stuff. He's just maximizing off of the opportunity that was in front of him. And there will be plenty of people that will come after him that will do the same thing. But we give a lot of credit to Trump, and I know we talk about Trump a lot on this podcast, you know, but he realistically is be doing exactly what a good businessman would do. He had a whole lot of opportunity in front of him, and he's just taking up on it. And he's been able First to... Trump is not... He's not a good... Trump is not, number one, he is not a good businessman. He's yeah, a but, terrible but, businessman. Let me finish. He, let me finish. Oh, okay. Let me finish. He's not a good businessman. He's a terrible businessman. He goes on by stomping on a little guy, uh, not paying people, uh, wearing people down in lawsuits, 3,600 lawsuits, five, six that we know of, bankruptcies. Who, uh, who, bank, who bankrupts a, not, a, a not good for who though? and all that type of not stuff? Not good for who, he's, though? Not good for them. Is, not good for the little man, but he's doing perfectly fine. He's living in the White House right now. He's not going to no, be yeah, broke anytime he, soon, that's not, and that's his just, bottom line. He's just, only concerned nah, with propelling himself you forward. Look at, you and that's look exactly at what he's done. You look, you look at the totality. You look at the totality of Donald Trump at this present moment and the last three and a half years. He's been a total failure. He has been an issue and a problem and a failure every single day. I agree. For the that country, man, for that, us, that for everybody else, he's, he's only concerned about his bottom line, though, and his bottom line is him. He's rich at the yeah. end of the day. He's well, living in yeah, the White well, House at the end well, of the when day. He, when, he know, is like, using, when he is using other people, when he is hurting other people, when he's hurting the country country for his bottom line, that gives you an indication of what exactly is going on with him. Oh, absolutely. I would never I would never cons consider Trump to be successful. That no. man has been a failure. And, but that that's our definition remarkable. of success. What's his definition of success? And I so, don't think I, the, the, his definition of success as far as it, the, uh, America and its citizens to be honest with you, is irrelevant. Okay, so he's, not in, the, he's not in the White House. He's not in the, he's not in the White House for his success. All right, great All right? point, he's supposed, fellas. He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be leading. leading a, he's supposed to be leading the country. I agree. And he is not doing it. And what's been going on with COVID? 
and all this other stuff shows. So great, great points. But again, you and Mr. Blake only count for one vote. And according to the uh, conspiracy theory, whether he started it or someone else started it, he is the started, figure. Started what? He is the figurehead for the uh, the theory of this birthright. Okay, so granted, he might not be the smartest one in the room. He might not be the one that spearheaded the thing, but he's the one that's got the mic and the media, and he talks about it. And his followers who go out and vote, they are the ones that are pushing it. And and so that's why I said, what about this does not, I mean, you got a, you have a constitutional scholar that says quickly uh, when Trump put this out there that his words are false and irresponsible. But nobody attaches to that. That doesn't, that doesn't get legs and travel. The only thing that travels is, oh, well, let's question whether or not she's an American, just like they did with Obama. Obama had the 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 uh, was it the governor or uh, 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 of uh, Hawaii who who had his birth certificate in his hand and did a news conference saying, "Look, this man was born here, and his last I re- remember or have checked, Hawaii is still a part of the union, and so he was born in America." But yet, still after that press conference, people still had doubts. They still talked about it like it was actual newsworthy. And so I'm saying the same thing. Just like Kanye was a distractor and still is a distractor and is a Russian, uh, I think they, they're they throwing all kind of money behind his campaign attempt. This is the same nonsense that is getting all type of media play and it distracts. And that's exactly what he's it's trying gonna get, to do. It's going to get media play because it always has stuff like this always pop up during the silly season. This is the silly season. This is the a year of a presidential election. So now everything that gets thrown out there in the media, because the media is going to want to try to one up each other. They're going to go back and forth. Half the stuff that comes out of uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue shouldn't even be reported on the media. His press conferences, they shouldn't even be attending those things because they're not press conferences. They're bitch sessions. Okay. But he has, like, he, like Blake said, he has the microphone. I mean, whoever said it, he has the microphone. All right, he's in that position. He's in that office. All right, the person is supposed to be leading the country, both sides of the aisle, suburbia and urban, and it's not happening. It's not occurring. And so the people who are getting the short end of the stick are people of color in all, in, in, in many ways than one. Uh, Charlottesville showed us. Mexico showed us. Uh, what happened in Portland weeks ago showed us. What's going on with the post office right now? Right. Uh, it shows us what's going on so, in that man's head. So who do we talk to? I mean, how do we address this? Is this even we worthy address it, of we address addressing? It on, we, address it on, we address it on November 3rd. Mm-hmm. We address it then on November 3rd when we have the opportunity to make a change. If we don't make a change on November 3rd, then we have four more years of chaos. And I'm going to tell you right now, believe it or not, it's going to get worse. Oh yeah, you know I, you can you complain know. as much as you want. You can point out as much stuff as he's doing wrong, but Trump is doing exactly what he wants to be doing, and that's what happens when you allow somebody to get into office that's only concerned about their bottom line. Like Mr. Pierre was saying, the person in office is supposed to be selfless. He's supposed to be worried about everybody else. You know, the middleman. Everybody. You know, he's supposed to be concerned with what's going on with the country. But that's not the case with Trump, and he, Trump is just doing exactly what Trump wants to be doing. 
Now, we can get mad that Trump's doing what he wants to be doing, but that's not going to change anything. We change it on November 3rd by putting somebody different in office. Okay, so my question is then, since we've had other presidents in the office, and in my thought process, the media still does the same thing. When do we address it? Because, one, voting isn't going to be the end all to be all. So when and how do we address this whole thing in the media of uh, irresponsible uh, reporting? You change that by stop entertaining the media. You stop watching them, then, yeah, that's just funds that's not going towards them. But that's just a pipe dream at the end of the day because people still go home, turn on their CNN, their CBS, whatever it is that they like to watch because they've been doing that since who knows when, and their parents put them onto that, and that's what they watched when they was growing up. But realistically, if you want more responsible reporting, then you have to give the viewership and the funds to the people that are doing responsible reporting. Or you got to do responsible reporting. The media and the press are not... But they're not going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, they have con- they, they they have constitutional protection and all kind of good stuff. It's a billion dollar business. Uh, they got these networks and all this stuff they do. All right, they're out there. Their job is to report the news and report what's going on in the country and report what's going on in the city and what's happening here and who said this and how it might affect you and me and our family. <clears throat> they have a they have a job to do. <clears throat> I don't really I don't really fault the media for a lot of a lot of their reporting because if they're showing me what some what these idiots in Washington are saying and doing, I need to know. Yeah. That's we where it's useful. Know. That's you where know, it's useful. They, they, now the question is we have to determine, you know, what is irresponsible reporting. If they are reporting factual information or factual events or factual statements made by people in quote unquote power people in quote-unquote authority i need to know i want to know that trump and his minions are trying to just are trying to destroy the post office for the sole purpose of preventing mail-in balloting all right we need to know that because if that is going on we have to address it in all ways possible even if instead of putting your uh if you're voting by mail instead of putting it in a mailbox Delivering it directly to the board of elections have to do something different. Have to uh, uh, know our options, but we also need to know that this is the type of stuff that is churning in this man's head. Okay, the person who has the nuclear codes, the person who could start a situation that could kill half of this country in the space of two days. Okay, I mean we need to know this stuff. And irresponsible reporting, as long as the report is factual, you know, if I see it on video that Trump said this or Pence said that or or uh, Mitch McConnell said this on the floor of, of the Senate ah, well we're gonna go into recess and there's no deal right now we'll be back in September and we'll talk about it then you'll be back in September that's three four weeks from now what are people supposed to do for the next three four weeks without the, without getting the uh, stimulus relief and everything Wow, 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 there's no deal. Wow, 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 wow. We used to keep your ass in Washington instead of going on a month-long break. And do your work. Do your job. People are suffering. This is what's going on because everybody's afraid to go after the idiot in the White House. They're afraid that they will lose their spot in Congress or the Senate. People will turn on them because they'll see you as turning on Trump. We have a job to do on November 3rd. This is a job we cannot fail. 
The soul and the fabric of the country depends on it. Plain and simple, end of story. The person we got in here now is 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 creating harm. He's a national security threat. Can you imagine the person in the White House being deemed a national security threat because he's a Russian asset? Yeah, well, I, again, <clears throat> you know, the, the <clears throat> excuse me, the question comes to mind, and like I said, or maybe it's a statement. Um, we got to address this. You know, I know Blake mentioned it that it's not going to go uh, away. We're not going to change anything. You know, I, I kind of beg a differ. You know, we didn't think the social media was going to be what it is, right? We we depended on mainstream media in, in the newspapers. And in, in here in Rochester, we had two primary newspapers that were running, and we're down to one, and that one is still struggling just to stay afloat because we have changed the way we take in news. And the same That's thing with the, of the times. And, and same thing with the mainstream media on TV. You know, you got yeah. a lot of other different um ancillary uh, uh news uh cycles that are happening on other stations uh you know like Al Jazeera and and and, and even TMZ has become uh you know um a, a valid uh news cycle whether it you know it started out as tabloid but it it oh. started reporting credible information it's still tabloid it's still tabloid TMZ is still tabloid CBS is tabloid all those things put on tabloid segments now at the end of the day we all have brains. You know, we can look at something and realize, okay, this is informative. But then you can still take that information to Google. You can go open a book. You can go research it and get your own perspective off of something. Yeah, but you're the talking news is about a tool, just like everything else that we have in front of us. And but it there's be used nothing as a tool. new under the sun. And we are socially conditioned. We social learn. That has not changed. And so when you're sure. talking about. Uh, books, you're talking about the media, you're talking about social media, the news. Somebody's got to write it and somebody's got to believe it, right? There's a listener, there's a listener, and there's a speaker. You okay, so you can pick up a paper, you you can pick up a social media, you can pick up a CBS news segment, and you can listen to it and you can take it in for what it is. But if you just choose to take somebody else's experience and run with it as fact after that, then I have to look at you as nothing but an idiot. Why would you take anybody else's word and just take that as fact? Go sit your butt down, open up a book, open up Google, go get your own. Go go ahead, play it. Go (laughs) go ahead and do your own research. And then you make your own perspective based off of that. But I don't sit down and just watch CBS and they report on all this different stuff. And and then I'm just taking that as fact and running with it. And then that's my whole worldview at the end of the day. You sit down and you do research and you learn, learn it for yourself. No, Take and, everything with and a grain I agree of with salt. You. I agree with you. But again, we still have. First, there's got to be something that piques your interest, right? When you read something, it's got to pique your interest. And then from there, it's got to reach an area that you can, I guess, um, um, relate to. And so a lot of this stuff that's going on with Trump, the Trump supporters know that he has not done a great job. They know that he is hurting their bottom line. But for whatever reason, again, the things that they identify with, that whiteness, uh, the fear of losing power, whatever little power they may have in their world, they, that is enough for them. And so they run with it, and we sit back and look at it and scratch our heads saying, how do they not see that this guy's a moron? How do they not see that he's not a patriot, right? So that's why I said that no matter how we sit here and say, 
oh, well, you, if you do believe or you don't believe or you take everything and gobble it all up like a baby eating, you know, uh, uh, baby food, you still, somebody's got to tell you the message and you got to receive it. And and that's 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 going to stay constant no matter what. And so I think that we have to start finding ways to either create our own media or hold the other media accountable and defund them when they're irresponsible. You're never going to defund, like, you're never going to defund CBS. You're never going to defund Fox and all those other things. But I do agree with that. You should have multiple streams of, of, of medias. You know, that's why social media is so big now, because now you, you have people's uh, in-person, you know, experiences that they can report on, you know, with the, with the touch of a button. You know, you don't have to have some established uh media source okay well hey we got it we got a caller that came in that's got another perspective and so uh caller we we want to hear your perspective on this hi i've been listening and i just wanted to point out that um we were asking why trump supporters are just on his side and they know that he's incompetent and such and and why i think we have to look at the fact that they've made the decision that no matter what their other option has not adopted that position and that's why we're splitting votes and we're attacking each other because we're not presenting a united front and all you have to do is look at social media and see the way that they're attacking kamala harris and attacking biden and we're still upset because bernie didn't make it in and we're we're splitting hairs Trump, the Republicans have said, there's no way that I'm going with a Democratic president and I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that they don't get in the White House. The Democrats have to make the same decision and adopt similar um, choices and actions and say, hey, maybe I would have preferred to have seen someone else there, but what's the alternative? And so I'm going to throw my support behind my candidate to make sure that they get in office and they look out for my interest. Maybe not all of my interests and no candidate will, but we are still splitting hairs instead of looking at the way that Republicans do things and scratching our heads and saying, how could they, how could they? Look at the return that they're getting. Stop splitting hairs and study what they're doing that's successful and then replicate it or modify it but implement it because splitting hairs and trying to figure out what's happening isn't working for us the other thing i wanted to say is trump is the master distractor and he is just going to duplicate what was successful in 2016. in 2016 he stole the election with the assistance of the russians and so now he's pushing for that to happen again and there's a monkey wrench because now we have covid so people aren't as likely to go to the polls so what is he going to do he's going to detract and say hey mail-in ballots are questionable he's using the same tactics he's modifying his fight and we're not and we have to roll with the times the Democrats are so accustomed to just doing things as they've always done. Times have changed, and we have to switch up, too. Very Thanks. well said. All right, all right. So we had uh, Sound Like Journey just called in to, to be a part of that input. Hey, any response to that, fellas? 
I agree. No, it's, uh, she hit it right in the head. I mean, it's plain and simple. We're in different times. We have to improvise, adapt, overcome. There's too much riding on it. Uh, 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 last week, Trump's statement talking about uh, 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 cutting or, or eliminating the payroll tax. Well, excuse me, you eliminate the payroll tax, you're eliminating the thing that funds Social Security and Medicare. So Trump people put it two and two together. No payroll tax, no Social Security, no Medicare. Do you understand that that not only affects people of color, because that's all they're thinking, but it affects you too. Just like, with the Obama, just like with Obamacare, people in West Virginia and Kentucky and Tennessee, they was jumping on the bandwagon of Trump. Yeah, Obama, Obamacare, Obamacare. Then when they started taking out pieces of Obamacare and people in those states lost their insurance, they were like, what? 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 Me? That affects me? Uh, yes. You thought it was just going to affect black people. No, it affects you too. Now, they're crying and screaming about losing their health care after Trump told them what he was going to do. They didn't realize that it affects them too. Okay. But, but again, so, you got Trump, you know, they, they voted for him because he's a businessman. Right. And then and, and so what does he do? He comes on and says, hey, the Postal Service uh, isn't making money. It's, it's failing. It's doing this. And so, you know, uh, po- the, the New York Times said, hey, look, the Postal Service was never supposed to be money making enterprise. All right. Uh, or a political football. But like uh, Journey just brought in uh, his supporters and his, his handlers have found a way to make it a political football. And those uh, minions that sit out there and call themselves patriots and supporters of Trump. Uh, they all drank the Kool-Aid and, and think, oh, it's not making money, so let's get rid of it, not knowing that, hey, this is what has brought the troops, like myself, you know, when I was deployed and, and when I was uh, uh, serving in the military, I depended on my mail coming in from family and friends to support and give me support, and it came by the Postal Service. Our checks, have you heard, everything, have you know. You heard, have you heard other Republicans, when Trump makes these type, these type of crazy statements, Think about it. Have, have you heard what other speaker of the House, House minority, the majority whip, all of those folks? What other Republicans have gone on television and said, uh, yes, uh, we're going to defund the post office because it's not making any money and it's affecting mail and balloting? You don't see no other Republicans going on TV and publicly agreeing with Trump. You know what they're doing? They're keeping their mouth shut, they're, they're locked in their office in Washington. They're not answering their phones from their constituents. Nobody's going on TV supporting Trump with this. Who went on TV and supported, oh, yeah, we're going to cut the payroll tax so we can get rid of Social Security and Medicare, which would cringe every senior citizen in the country. Okay, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, nobody's going on TV and support. They're letting Trump just run off at the mouth, all right, because they have to respond to their constituents in Montana, Mm. and Kansas and and Oklahoma, you know, they're not jumping on that bandwagon. They're letting him run off at the mouth and say this stuff, all right? But I don't see Mitch McConnell going on TV talking about, yeah, we're going to defund Social Security. Uh Oh, yeah, we're going to tear up the post office. They're not going on TV. So, Mr. Banks, uh, we want to welcome you for, you know, coming on in. And and we hope that you've been listening. And and so if you haven't, the catch-up is we started out with, uh, this, the topic of the show being, 
can I just be black all the time? And so we started out talking about how when we do things, uh, being the black community, we do things uh, negative, that it's no, there's no quorum or argument. It was a person of color. But when we do things positive, like, uh, you know, Senator Harris being selected for the VP, then all of a sudden she's uh, multiracial. Right. And so, same thing with uh, with Obama. So so now we, we segued a little bit over into uh, the other topic uh, of the post office and, and, and this war with Trump uh, or should I say Trump having a war with the post office. And so uh, we just want to see uh, what was your perspective or your take on uh, one or both of these topics that we started out with today's show. So, yeah, with the, the topic of uh, ethnicity popping up in, as it relates to uh, Kamala, I think is really interesting because it, it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. The only thing that really matters is where she's going to align when she's when she's there. I think there's just some people that are so far left and then you still have people that are coming from whatever other places and trying to disturb the platform right there and, and um they have unrest regarding her past and in, in, in terms of, you know, being the same kind of mass incarceration um kind of like advocate. And and they're they're trying to push like this agenda that she can't be trusted either, right? So like Medicare for all, what's going to happen with that? They're saying that she's backtracking on the thought of that being uh, worthwhile. So, you know, are we still stuck with another moderate Dem that really might not kind of push the envelope for the black agenda? And really it goes down to a conversation of what the black agenda means to her. And I think we all need to really just sit back and understand what that is, is going to be because we made a big deal about having somebody there and having the right representation as a VP in the office. So I, I think we have to understand like what it's, what it's going to mean for us at the end of the day, but, but understanding also that as a woman of color being where she is, I think a lot of her career has been based around playing ball and making sure that she was seen as an ally to some of the parties that we don't feel like somebody we root for should be really, you know, cool with but that's kind of the nature of the game right like that's the reason why she's on the ticket and not like nina turner right like because you know the democratic party has no room for socialism and we know that that's that's not going to change at all whatsoever but we need to at least acknowledge the fact that moderate democrat is still that's not progressive it's not going to move the envelope it's not going to shake things up and I think that's what we want. So what is our mission and vision again? All the other stuff is distraction. Right, right. With the post office, that's been bubbling for a long time with the post office. Uh-huh. It's been bubbling for a very long time. How can I how can I make sure that these Democrats don't have the numbers? And um, you're seeing everything pulled out. No stops left, <laughs> like, at all whatsoever. And um, it's unfortunate because... I keep saying this, I think all the time when we're talking is that we were supposed to have a system that was actually for the people. And we're seeing right now that there's no protections for us as the people. There really is none. Because with everything we sit back and talk about that's currently happening or has happened, there's no safeguards that have protected us at all because it's still actually happening, right? So like, voter rights are still being infringed and we're not doing anything about it. So there's this monopolization that's, that's occurring in regards to the, the voting and accessibility. So what he's cutting down is accessibility, but not in Florida. Not where he lives and not in these predominantly white places where he he's going to get the vote regardless. 
So that should add up to everybody, but it's not going to. So the people that are still like on his bandwagon, we're, it's, that's beyond us. But I know that a lot of his initial voters have left. So I think the numbers are still going to be in a Democratic favor regardless. I don't think he can he can do it unless he tries a massive like hack of the system, which it seems like he's trying to do right now. Right, I'm right, just, right. I got you. So, uh, again, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the birth of right, talking about the post office, the, the all these distractors, you know, Kanye, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, we uh, as a people uh, can deal with multiple fronts. You know, we can still get out the voters registration, make sure everybody's registered to vote. We could talk about, uh, you know, on social media, hey, who needs a ride to the polls if you're going to go to the polls? If not, have you filled out your absentee ballot paperwork, right? We can do these things uh, independently or as a collective group. We don't have to wait for anything because we got this great thing called the Internet and and, uh, the smartphone. So even if you don't have a computer in the home, most people have a smartphone and they have apps. Right. And, and our young folk, I think Blake can attest to it and, and as well as you, Kyle, that it don't take much to create an app and start getting the message out there. I know I have an app on my phone called Five Calls app and you can go on there and there's all kind of initiatives. Like I was in there calling and sending stuff in to make sure that the anti anti lynching bill uh, got pushed forward. Right. And if you go in there and download that Five Calls app, there's a number of social issues that can be addressed. That's why I brought up that initial uh, talk about the, the, the mainstream media in that just like we talk about defunding the police department because we're not getting the service that we demand and, and deserve, we can also do the same thing for the media. The media is a business, and if we start generating uh, negativity about how they report, who they report on, and how they report on those individuals or, or that group, we can drive the narrative. We don't have to wait and sit back and say, man, how come they always go out and find the toothless brother that can't put two words together to do an interview on the mainstream media, right, when they have some incident take place? Why is it that, you know, they always got to go multiracial when one of us gets uh, appointed or elected to some position of, of status? But when we go out here and we do some shooting or get into something, there is no, uh, hey, they were Jamaican and this, or they was they was black, right? And and so that's that's the problem I have with the media. That's why I'm raising this 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 discussion to see, you know, is it even a thing for us? And if it's not, why not? Because we do talk about it. You know, we crack jokes about it. We got comedians that sit there and say, uh, you know what? How can we tell when a person of color or a white person did a crime? By the way, the media reports it. They talk about active shooter. Boom, what do we start thinking? White people. And so when, when, when uh, Malvo and then went out and did the thing, we were shocked. We were like, what, a brother did an a, a active shooter, a, a, a serial killer type of stuff? Because that wasn't the thing that we did. And the media conditioned us to understand when a crime took place, who was the perpetrator of that crime. Well, it's not only the media, it's also uh, certain uh, constituencies that are doing it also. Think about, think about, uh, what's his name, the, the, the guy down in uh, Charlottesville. Yeah, Dylan Roof. All right, what about him? They, they went, they found him, took, got him into custody, no incident, took him to Burger King or whatever, fed him, blah, blah, blah. Look at the guy in uh, Aurora, Colorado at the movie theater. 
active shooter. They take him into custody outside the the uh, the theater while still armed. Mm-hmm. They take him into custody without a shot being fired, without incident. I'm not saying that they had to execute the guy the minute he came out the door, but let it have been me or you come through, the, come out that side door, whatever, armed to the teeth in front of eight, nine police officers with the weapon still in my hand after shooting what 15, 17 people, whatever it was. Right. You know, uh, I've seen a video of a police department. I forgot what state it was in. This guy, a, a, a Caucasian male, walking down the middle of the street with a gun in his hand, and the police were literally running. They were running backwards. They were retreating instead of taking on this individual and confronting him before he fired shots at anybody. They were running from him, all right? It's like, okay, there are certain conditions where if it's a black person or a person of color, it's, you know, shots are fired. They're going, they're kicking in the door. I mean, Marv, you were on... You were on SWAT. You know that with these with these situations, barricaded gunmen, et cetera, time is not an issue. If it takes you six hours to talk him out and nobody gets hurt or killed, that's what you do. Out here in the West, they got a, like a timer. Okay, we'll give you about five minutes and we coming in. All right? They don't, they, time is not of the essence with them. They just go right on in. Okay? It's just a mentality that with people of color, they have to go basically head forward, start the gunfire, do whatever they got to do because they have to eliminate that threat. But if it's somebody else, oh, well, what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to talk to him. We're going to get him, you know, some help. He was a misguided young man who killed 12 people in a school, stuff like that. But African-American or Hispanic were, were thugs. Right, right. Other and, people, and, and, other people are misguided. You know, <laughs> we can't do anything about the fact that, that we don't own the way marketing and news are portrayed. We don't own the way education is brought. We don't own any of the actual intellectual infrastructure that's within this country. So, I mean, when it comes to how media reports, uh, is it a surprise anymore? Who owns it? That and more about the, the, the type of history books that, that kids are reading at the end of the day and what's really in there. You know what I mean? Because we're, I, I feel like news is just an extension of miseducation at its finest while still being corrupted by capitalism at its root, right? So, like, what is media now in 2020? You know what I'm saying? So right. you have, like, fake news. You have everything. You have Twitter stepping up into what what platforms should be doing in terms of regulation of misinformation while you still have hackers doing things that are still being reported on on platforms that are supposed to be trusted like Facebook. Well, you know, wait, 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 Twitter, Twitter, Twitter is not media. Twitter or is, is Twitter is a is social media. Twitter is not mainstream media. Twitter is not a news organization. It is Twitter media. is a situation. It is mainstream when it, when it media. It out as a news based uh, social media platform that's going to regulate information yeah, better, right? Yeah. Like that. And that's, that's why, what we hope. That's why it's, we hope they're, they're not regulating anything. People are going on Twitter and expressing their views and their opinion. Who's Nobody's regulating, regulating who's that. Who's regulating the mainstream media? The only thing they regulate is if you go past rules. Who's regulating the mainstream media? Who's regulating CNN and CBS? Who's regulating them when they keep pumping the same two stories out at the older generations that only watch the news? There is freedom in the U.S. Constitution. There is freedom of the press. All right. Will not be a bridge. All right. So that means the news media have to basically regulate themselves. Now, we can call them the task by saying, wait a minute, that's not true. That is misinformation. But now the media is spurred 
by their advertisers. The people who advertise are CNN, Fox News. They're the ones. <clears throat> they're the ones who can say to CNN, wait a minute, there's a problem here. But if they're putting their money to put their commercials on CNN, CNN's getting the revenue. CNN can just about say whatever they want. Okay, Fox News, we know everybody, the majority of people hate Fox News because of what's going on with Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and all those other idiots. Okay, yeah, but, but, but what happens? But that's my thing, though. I think that's a, it's a it's growing out. Like it's become news <clears throat> on television is growing obsolete. And and Don Jr. and Trump both ended up getting uh, Twitter um, to actually ban tweets. And actually, didn't Don Jr. didn't his account get actually like suspended temporarily? Yeah, they just suspended. Uh, I mean, yeah. they just suspended so, Talib Kweli recently because he was putting out mis- misinformation. They banned him from Twitter for life. Completely got rid of his entire account. I think that's the big difference between the mainstream media and, and the social media is because they are able to regulate the social media a, a lot better because of how many people have access to it better than they can the the mainstream media is like you were saying that are funded by these different places. They're going to pump out the stories that their their sponsors. Are, are pushing them to pump out so maybe you are getting information on you know what's going on in chicago but they just keep seeming, seeming to miss information on what's going on in portland or or, or, or something else like they just they, they never report on some things that if you go on social media you hear about all the time so now it begs the question you have to start looking at well who's watching what you know who's watching mainstream media is not the it's not my generation or it's not the it's not the millennials. They're not watching mainstream media. They're not t- going home and turning on CBS and CNN news. They're going on Twitter where they can still get CNN and CBS, but they can also get first person you know uh, accounts you know from people that were actually there. Like they, they they have access to a whole lot more information. So if we're talking about you know regulating mainstream media, you got and that's where you know we start talking about coming up with different forms of media like revolt that's starting to pop up now you're talking about we're we're talking about misinformation one of the biggest places to get misinformation and all type of lies and rumors and conspiracy theories is twitter i'm on twitter uh a lot and i see and read a lot of stuff that comes out from people and then you realize a lot of it is basic lies conspiracy theories russian trolls and bots putting out all type of stuff because it's not being checked in the mainstream media. What media. I, what I think who's going to do the check? Nobody's checking it because what Twitter I, Twitter has its own little rules as far as etiquette. That's about it. Yeah. When you violate the rules of quote-unquote etiquette, then you can get put in Twitter timeout. Mm-hmm. But other than that, people go on there and they say whatever they want to say. Twitter's not sitting around trying to fact check uh, 70, uh, a million posts so on I, Twitter so per I, day. I, I got a question for that, Kyle and Blake. They can't do while it. That, hold on, hold on. While that is true, what I think is special about social media is everybody knows that going into it. Everybody knows that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be trolls. Everybody knows that there's going to be misinformation. I think what's important is that you have so much information available to you at your fingertips. You have the ability to sit down and research it and find out if it's fact or fiction or not. But at least you have it in front of you. Whereas with mainstream media, they only pump to you the same two, three stories. And that's all they give you to work with. So they keep you in this loop and you're only aware of 
15% of what's going on out of the whole pie. Whereas social media, you pop on there and yeah, you get a whole bunch of BS and whatnot, but you also get a whole lot of good stuff. It's up to you to actually take time and sit down and figure out what's fact and what's fiction. Nobody right. had no, no, so nobody hope, is hope. sitting nobody is sitting down for the most part from Twitter uh, uh, and researching stuff because one, the first place that this stuff about Kamala Harris not being eligible and, wh- and whether she's Indian and all that you didn't see that on CBS or ABC you saw it on social media you saw it on Twitter all of a sudden somebody's throwing out there ah oh, well she's not you know eligible now here's Trump in Twitter oh whoa whoa somebody said that she's not eligible now he's on TV talking about well I heard that she's not eligible I don't know we're gonna take a look at it and blah 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 it right. started on Twitter you so can, be hold 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 on before I forget this question because okay. y'all going back and forth like two tennis players. Jake, uh, Jay-Z, right? Jay-Z has title? Yeah. Okay, so for Kyle and for Blake, because I know, P, I know you're not going to notice, uh, or maybe you will. Uh, don't don't let me do that to you. Um, just like Jay-Z went outside the box, okay, and created title to do his music and to do his artist, artistry stuff, what about us, because we have this thing called Black Twitter, Right. We always have all these other medias that we create our own little space within. What about taking some of these folk like Jay-Z and, and say, hey, look, why don't y'all spark up a spinoff from Twitter and, and control your I mean, they got the money. Right. If you I mean, pu- pull everybody together. So that's the question I'm putting to you. Why can't we start our own Twitter? Well, first off, with black Twitter, I mean, if you want to say that there's a black Twitter, there's also going to be an Asian Twitter, a white Twitter, uh, a, a Spanish Twitter. Like it really just comes down to who you're following at the end. Of the but day. I'm focusing on us because the Asians I agree. I don't agree. have an issue. I'm talking about our problem. See, that's again, it goes back to that watered down thing. We got an issue in our community and we bring everybody else in. Let's deal with our issue. The narrative is a problem for us. They don't talk about the Asians like they do us. They don't talk about anybody else like they do us, right? You mess around and say something about the Jewish community, and you get shut <laughs> down. Yeah, they because lose it. They'll lose their mind. That's Thank you. The Jewish community owns things. They can actually shut oh, you down. Uh, hello. What do, we, what do we own? Hello. We, we produce or we pump out over a trillion in revenue uh, or, or spending power every year, but it goes into these other communities. Yes. Now so you see where I'm going. Now, now what I'm saying is, when we talk about Black Twitter, we have to realize what it is, though. It's not something that actually is a thing it's no not, I, I meant it, to, what it is is it's just another community within the global right community. and i and i said that as an example that was not uh where i was actually going with that okay. what i was just talking play. about was that that's an example that we we carve out space on somebody else's platform so i'm saying that just like jay-z why don't we make our own twitter why don't we make our own twitter there and you go think, there you I go think, where's my applause at? do i have an applause i don't even know if i got we can certainly we can certainly do that. We can certainly do that, but I don't think the main, the end goal for us is to to isolate. I don't think we should be trying to isolate ourselves from the world. We should just demand our space within the world. You know, we shouldn't just branch off and make black Twitter where we can just sit around in a huddle and just throw thoughts and frustrations at each other because that's not going to get us anywhere. No, we no, I'm not saying isolate. I'm not saying isolate. That just like that's we saw what about, it would do though ultimately if you make a black Twitter, what you think the Asian community is going to come to black Twitter? I'm talking about a black owned Twitter just like we had Black Wall Street, right? And we had uh Wilmington, North Carolina or South Carolina. Just like we had all these towns and other um um uh, communities that were thriving 
we can create. I mean, again, the the music industry is what the second or third largest industry in uh, uh, revenue driving rather in the country. And so if we are the driving force behind that, because, see, again, we don't get the credit. Uncle Nearest create the recipe for Jack Daniels liquor or Kentucky whiskey bourbon. Right. We create all kind of things and then somebody else takes it and, 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 and makes the, the, the revenue from it or, or they get rich from it. I'm saying that you take a black owned like Twitter or black owned like Facebook or whatever social thing we want to create. And we invite the other groups in, but we own it. We control the narrative like they do us, right? And so that's what I'm talking about, creating something and inviting everybody else to come in and be a part of our establishment. Yeah, I'm on board with that. People get, a, people get a little bit of money thrown at them when we create certain things. Now all of a sudden they get a little bit of money thrown at them uh, uh, to sell it to a, another corporation or company or uh, Caucasian, et cetera, et cetera, oh, yes, and then it's gone. gone. All right, or they get they get uh, uh, threats of, of uh, against the protections. They're like, okay, well, you know, you're gonna have to pay additional money, uh, taxes. Uh, we're gonna look at your company. We're gonna destroy your company if you don't sell. This mm-hmm. is what happens when it occurs. There should be no reasons why we don't have more African Americans uh, having certain positions within corporations, companies. Uh, private sector and business. Uh, uh, why isn't that happening? Uh, we're getting more people of color involved in politics. You have to be sitting on those committees and on those boards and associations Hello. that make the rules, that make the uh, decisions. There you you go. know, you got, you, you got. There are there are communities, African American communities, that are run by white people. Mm. Okay, how come the mayor of this city, this city, seventy percent black, this town is seventy percent black, eighty percent black? And the school board's all white. Uh-huh. The mayor is white. But the, uh-huh. the police chief is white. Uh-huh. Everybody. I mean, I'm not, I'm, t- I'm not saying it's got to be totally black, but you got to have representation. Not if you don't have representation, you don't have anybody arguing for your cause. Everybody's talking about black agenda. Now somebody said earlier, what's Kamala Harris's, you know, black agenda? Uh, I didn't know right now we're going after her quote-unquote black agenda. She, her position is part of a team. Yes. And her agenda is not going to get anywhere unless it is also Biden's agenda. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have to be very careful about all of a sudden want to stack stuff on her shoulders because she's the VP. That was, but the, that was always the thing that they were going after. Uh, mm-hmm. That was always the issue. Who is they? Who, who is they? Black people? Black people all of a sudden no, were going after Kamala see, Harris's before, agenda? Oh, no, before no, she was no. even running talked, for when VP. They talked about him, when they talked about your boy Biden kicking a VP, they wanted to have somebody of color, preferably a woman in the house, and they wanted to have accountability based on what they felt was going to be needed to be pushed forward if Biden went in. Yeah. That was a that was a beginning conversation. There's nothing new to that, is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah but the before, VP is not going to provide accountability to the president. We know that. I think people are just more frustrated with who he ultimately, out of all the females and all the black females out there that he could have selected, I think everybody kind of figured that he was, you know, going towards Kamala Harris because of, you know, some of her positions in the past. And prior to her even getting considered for the VP position, this was a few years ago, I think I was watching a a Charlemagne interview with her and they were bringing up a lot of problems, you know, with her because of how she was talking about, you know, smoking weed, but all the people that she's imprisoned, you know, off of weed charges and and a bunch of other stuff that she's involved with. So a lot of the stuff that they have against her 
isn't new. I've been seeing it about her for a while. If you want to talk about Black Twitter, Black Twitter has been at Kamala Harris far before she got conserved for VP. But now That's we're in true. a position. Yeah, if now we're in a position where, unfortunately, she is the better decision to Trump. And now we're seeing, you know, some people lash out like, oh, hold on, wait a minute, we didn't forget what she did in the past. But at the same time, we're still trying to put her in that position over Trump. You know, we we, we just need Trump out of office at the end of the day. I think that's what a lot of people. Well, you know, a lot of people in this situation are not going to be able to have their cake and eat it too. That's the thing. Okay. And people very, want to very, argue very, very morality and whatnot. That, We're talking they don't about feel politics. Like there's any cake in this situation, Pete? Like they feel like this is like literally like frosted broccoli. You know, you know, I'm getting, <laughs> I am getting, I'm getting so teed at the folks that are like, you know, the minute you get your, you people wanted a feed, or, or he uh, said he's going to put a female in, and everybody's oh, it should be a black female, it should be a black female. Then he makes a pick. The pick is uh, a woman of color, an African-American woman, okay? And now, you know, people are now coming from different directions. I hope not to attack. We need to circle the wagons around this ticket to, in order to get this ticket successful. If we don't, we are going to go through another four years of hell. Yeah. Everybody's going to start looking at each other because they started nitpicking. Okay. Uh, so I think I think there's a lot of people that are just having conversations to to really bring attention to history and understand who's going in. But I think at the end of the day, I truthfully believe people are going to make the smart decision when it comes down to it. But Twitter is just filled with comments, so people want to make sure, hey, don't forget this. Mm -hmm. History never goes. Yep. So they're going to dig up that dirt. They're going to put that information out. But they also gonna talk that shit. That's that's just literally it's, that you know how that's how Twitter goes. They're gonna talk that shit, but. I mean, honestly speaking, the, the the entire reason they were asking for a black woman was based around accountability. They didn't just want a black woman for the optics or just to say, "Hey, this is one for the history books, y'all." Like, no, it was there was a little bit more to that, and, and they knew based around politics right now, you had a lot of trailblazers who were black women, so they wanted to have that in the office in terms of accountability. Yeah. And the real question is based around why did they feel like they needed accountability? Right. Like, and that goes into the conversation we've been having a long time ago, a longstanding conversation about the fact that people just weren't really confident about Biden. So they wanted some reassurance. Mm -hmm. So now they have reassurance, but there's still a problem. Right. We want to make sure that mass incarceration is something that's taken care of. We want to make sure that that there is a platform for for insurance um, that's going to take care of everybody without tripling our spending and, and making us look even worse and, and having worse scenarios. I mean, there's really just, it's the same issues, right? It's just going to a different group, but you're hoping that they'll be able to pull it together and, and do what they have to do. But I mean, those were always the basis behind why they were asking for a black woman to be in there. They got what they want now. And I think a lot of things are going to align, but people are still going to talk shit and there's going to be a storm from all angles and not necessarily from the left side. Just because people are complaining about her or, or the team doesn't mean it's from the left side. We already know there's numerous places with fake accounts. We already know there's numerous people with different type of um, background allegiances. Like, so everything you're reading is still part of potentially an alternative agenda that's not based around the Democrats winning. Um, and then you just got some motherfuckers out there that want to see the shit burn. I mean, you still got those people. They never stopped. They never left. They're still there. So I think there's still a certain aspect to it. But when you have Trump out here actively fear-mongering, having Pence fear-monger, having his son fear-monger, 
having Ted Cruz out here fear mongering. Like this becomes a difficult and tricky situation to navigate because they're already on the defense a lot of times before the offense even started. This is not new. This is not new because regardless yeah, just of the pick, re- regardless of the pick, this stuff was going was going to happen. Whether whether it was Kamala Harris, whether it was Susan Rice, whether it was Karen Bass or uh, Keisha Bottoms, uh, even if it had been Elizabeth Warren or Amy Klobuchar, they would have gone on the attack no matter what. I would just we know that. We know, say that. We, we know the Republicans were not going to say, hey, uh, uh, Biden picked Elizabeth Warren. That's a great choice. She would do real good as vice president. Da, 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 da. We know that. We knew it. We just wanted to see or need to see how bad it was going to be, what level they were going to go. So I wanted, Not level up, I wanted, level down. So, how low were they going to stoop? So I okay, want, I and now throw, we have an idea. Well, I want to throw in there to, 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 to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, P, and, and I want you to, to continue this thought because what I'm interjecting is that PBS, and I'm doing, I guess, a shameless plug for PBS. Right now, Skip Gates uh, is doing a piece on Reconstruction Period, and one of the ones I watched yesterday uh, was exactly what's happening right now. Talking about, you know, the the, the ending or abolishment of slavery during that uh, that 1800 period, and what was taking place was you had uh, the Republican Party, which was uh, for abolishment, and you had that Dixiecrat or the Democratic group that was uh, going out here doing the fear mongering, uh, the terrorism with lynching. Um, all of these different types of uh, behavioral things that are similar to our current pattern of uh, distraction and discreditment. And, and I mean, it, it's, it's a page out of history with the same thing, you know, the birth of right, um, you know, civil rights movement still being up a piece, uh, you know, that that is being contested, uh, you know, the immigrant uh, it just it, it's just fascinating when you sit down and you watch history and you look at this stuff it's almost like what was uh, almost 100 200 years ago is still current and happening today man it's just the interchanging unreal. of names it's unreal it really is and i was unreal. i was baffled watching this and i'm sitting there going oh my god you know the same political stuff that we're talking about right now on this show was happening back then during the 1865 uh, period and, and 1800 period and the 19 and and we talk about policies and, and procedures and stuff like that, you know, uh, the police department's working as an extension to the Ku Klux Klan and going out picking up people on trumped up charges and and uh, you know terrorizing them, doing all kind of things to the family nucleus. The same stuff today, uh, you know. This whole I fear for my life. Well, okay, I watched a video the other day of a man uh, and an officer, it was a white male and an officer wrestling inside of a store and. The officer had his taser out, and he's talking to the guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And he's tasing him, tasing him, tasing him. The man's grabbing at the taser, fighting with them, actively going after him. And and at one point, the officer sets his taser down on the ground, and he's still wrestling with them. And the man is within reach of the taser. And so you had a whole bunch of the patrons around standing, kind of watching. And it was some black patrons and whatnot. And people, you know, in the social media was chiming in. Why don't you do something? Why didn't they do something? And it was like, wait a minute. We had black people that intervened, right? We had the the security guard outside of Chicago that got shot to death fighting with a man with a gun. And he had security written all over his shirt. The people standing around said, hey, he's a security, while the police pulled up and and lit him up. 
right? You had the, the African-American undercover officer who worked down in uh, PG County and, and was standing outside his police station when two male blacks started shooting at the police station and the black officer was shot by the white officer. And I'm sitting there going, how is it that you didn't know this guy was the bad guy Oh, these two guys are the bad guy. This guy was the good guy. He's shooting. The guy you work with. The guy you work with. You work with him every day. He's shooting in the same direction that you are. It's clear that the other two guys are aiming at both of y'all. But how does he wind up getting killed by the officers? It, It just comes back to that whole social conditioning, that perception of a threat. And and so you know, I, I posted <laughs> I posted the picture of you know the the the, the white officer standing with the white guy with the uh, AR-15 strapped around his his shoulder, and he was upset because of the he he didn't want to put on the face mask. But then they showed the other caption of the white officer with the gun out shooting the male black, and his statement was, "I thought he had a weapon." It's like you see this guy standing in front of you clearly has a weapon. He's alive. The guy that you thought had a weapon is dead. And and so you know, I, that's why I said we, we you know how do we address it's because it's not even a matter of if we should or shouldn't. I know some of you guys already said early, ah, we don't want to do it, it, it or it, it might be too big of a, a, a you know an issue to try and tackle. But striking out and having our own social media or our own media owned by us, other people can put money into it and join it. But we own it, so that way we control it, and that's and that's why Prince was killed. That's why Mike was killed, because they own their masters, right? They own the narrative. Bill Cosby, he did his dirt, but guess what? They didn't come after him until he tried to buy a network, right? So I'm I'm just you know maybe it's a conspiracy theory in my mind, but I just can't discount the fact that when we strive to do things that we come under attack and the first thing is to discredit us to disassociate us to humanize us you know so that that that's my that's my perspective hey we are at an hour and 15 into our two-hour show i forgot to say this is too blue to be black too black to be blue i'm your host marvin sides right here on my tribe network radio powered by brass radio one got the good lieutenant the bishop i think is still here uh mr banks finally joined us and he's throwing in some good knowledge and of course mr blake man over here thumbs are working i think he's gonna bring up some other fascinating things that we're going to talk about on the second half of the show. And hopefully we'll, we'll get our, our Latin perspective uh, in, you know, he always brings the financial uh, wizardry uh, and, and some other um, perspectives that, uh, you know, people. No, he's, he's home. He's, he's home checking his social security account. <laughs> he's wondering what Medicare is going to be like in uh, 12 years when it's his turn. Oh my God! That's me, man. P is a mess. Denying, he's, he's home denying mortgages to people. He, he, he redlining some people. That's yeah, he's redlining people. That's oh no, shame. you live in Detroit. You live in Detroit. We, we can't go there. Crime is up in Detroit. You can't own a house. Uh, well, be careful because I got a listener that keeps sending me some messages from Detroit, and I know uh, she has a show on on the network as well. And and uh, you hear her talking about uh, you. She hear you talking about Detroit, man. She might come in and fire up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's okay. I've been to Detroit, okay? <laughs> so, uh-huh. wait, hold on. Actually, she sent the message here. Let's see. Um, oh, here we go. 
All right. So it says here, let's see, please mention that uh, Kamala. Uh, oh, I guess I got to say that is an AKA. So my wife is a, is a, uh, is an AKA. Uh, and so, yes, that, that is newsworthy. And, and I should have said that a long time ago. So yeah, uh, shout out to the AKAs out there. Ski wee. Yeah, ski wee. Ski wee. Ski wee. Ski But, um, and that's, that's what kind of gives me, you know, faith in, in all that. I don't, I'm not really into this whole, you know, Jamaicans and Caribbeans are different from, but yeah, that's, 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 you know, it's just a it's just a different stop on the uh, on the boat ride, if you ask me. That, and that's that's just my perspective on it. So I, I still see it all as the square root of Africa at the end of the day. So it doesn't mean anything to me. But um, I was going to bring one thing up. Um, I've been feeling as though when it comes to doing service in the community, doing a lot of things in your community, I feel like I kind of at at, at a point where I'm exhausted. Because I feel like, you know, it's like dealing with a gunshot wound as to just stopping the bleeding. Whereas equipping mass amounts of generational wealth seems like more of, okay, that's how we get the bullet out and that's how we actually work to heal it. And I feel like, you know, there needs to be a larger amount of focus, which I, I do see it, but I'm just saying on a localized level, built around establishing true wealth and not only that but generational wealth because when we start talking about our, our brothers and sisters of the jewish community and their ability to make things happen when you know our group might suffer with just you know how we're characterized by media right because we don't have the buying power to shut things down the way we want to right like Brianna's case is still open and nobody's been arrested, but it's almost like, okay, well, if you had the capital to actually buy the social power, would it have even took two weeks? And there's just, and we just live in a capitalistic society where everything is driven based on that. That's, that's the real pandemic to me, but I just feel as though that's the only time that respect is truly ever get, given. So my 2020 focus has been more of like maybe i'm going to pull back from some of these community-based works so i could put more time and effort into establishing true wealth and generational wealth because i feel as though i'll ultimately be able to do more for my community in that sense by having that by actually using resources and allocating them strategically to actually go after things i was just wondering what your thoughts sort of group were on that and what you see in the community and what your thoughts regarding that might be. All right. Well, I, Kyle, you're I, exhausted? I, Kyle, okay, Kyle, so you're, Kyle, 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 hold on really quick. Kyle, you're <laughs> exhausted? That's what you said at the beginning? You're exhausted right now? This is it's south. exhausting, yeah. Okay, well, you know what? You might just want to just take a big old intake of air and deep breath because this stuff is just starting, especially for your generation. All right? Me, because I'm way older than you, I can sit back and say, you know what, I'm exhausted because I've been around over 60 years, 30 years of the police department, seeing all type of stuff up and down. I was around in the 60s, in the 70s, as an, you know, almost as an adult per se, and seeing this stuff and seeing how we're gone backwards. Folks like you and Blake and your friends and acquaintances who are in your same generation and age range, you guys have to basically step up country is going to be your country and your world for the next 60 years or whatever it is. And things need to start happening 
as soon as possible, or the people who are doing the stuff they're doing now is only going to get stronger. We need to get more people of color into politics, into positions, uh, on on these committees, on the school board, city council. Uh, you guys in Rochester should get a group together and address issues that occur in Rochester when things pop up. Because once you start addressing stuff, now you're going to get media focus. You're going to get people at Channel 10 and Channel 13 listening to you. You're going to get the people at the DNC calling you for a comment on this incident that occurred on North Clinton Avenue. When you go to city council and stand up before city council and say, you know what, we're throwing a lot of money in this particular project over here. How come we're not doing the same type of project or money allocation on Hudson Avenue or Genesee Street? When you start making the noise, people are gonna listen, all right? You can't expect the folks who are in power now to continue. We need progression. And focus was just based around the fact that I think I that handling it in one way per se yeah. becomes exhausting. I agree with as Kyle. opposed to like investment. I agree with Kyle. That is possible. That is that is possible also. Okay. You can also get together a group of people that can get into investment, all right? Right. Real estate, Hold stuff on. like that. Hold on, Pete. We want to get uh, Blake and no, and, uh, and the I, bishop in on that too. I agree with both of y'all, but I agree with Kyle with when it comes to the starting point. I think we can make that noise. I think we can get involved in all those things that that Mr. Pierre is talking about. But I think Kyle's making a good point of you should actually own something going in so that you can make more noise. You know, just walking in and, and bringing it to attention as just a regular community member. I mean, sure you could build up a following and you could get in the news cycle and all that stuff but ultimately you don't really have anything that's going to make people want to move because like we were talking about it's a capitalist society nobody's moving off of morality out here in the streets nobody's moving off of what's right and wrong they're moving off of what do you have to offer to them you know what type of power are you bringing to the table at the end of the day this is stuff that i talk about with my friends all the time we're talking about ownership and and, and buying houses and, and keeping those and, and increasing the wealth on that and, and all those types of things that would build our power within society because it's capitalist. After you do stuff like that, which is stuff you should be working on right now in your 20s and whatnot, then you have more you have more sway when it comes to, to standing in those rooms because you you have something to present. And if you don't have anything to present, I mean, sure, like maybe you can get some attention, but it's going to just get swept under the rug in a week anyway. All right, Bishop, what you got on that? Well, I, I agree with Kyle with what he's saying. When you talk about being exhausted, you know, I sit on several boards and, you know, from law enforcement and community to uh, clergy response and other stuff. And it, 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 you do get to a point where you say, you know, I need to back away from some of this stuff because not that you're backing away from the issues, but how you're actually dealing with those issues because it can it can become tiring it can become frustrating and mentally draining um I, I just i just said to my wife a week ago that i was backing away from some of the stuff that i'm involved in and i, I think i'll start attacking issues uh in a different way because i'm just getting burned out you know and i, I fully i fully hear what kyle is saying and um i disagree uh, that you're not of at the at the age where you can feel that way. I, I, I 
know people who are um, millennials and, and folks who are a little bit younger uh, trying to, you know, do some of this stuff out here in the community, and, and they're getting tired. They're getting frustrated, and, and I understand that. Um, we do have to commit, uh, create ways of um, making things better. Uh, I, I agree with the let's create our own social media, but I think there's something. I, I, I think that 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 it's a prospect easier said than done because we have enough multimillionaires in this country who are black and some who have reached billionaire status, but for whatever reason they haven't done that yet. So. I wonder why, why that hasn't happened. And so, you know, we had, I think we have to call on those folks to create those avenues uh, for us uh, so that we can have our own. Um, but I just, I, again, I, I agree, Kyle, that, you know, you get burned out and yeah, you have to look for other ways to contribute. Okay. And, that, and that's the thing. Like, so we don't have a lot of black people doing a lot of things in tech, right? But the numbers are starting to go up, especially for black women. The numbers in tech are starting to go up. So starting creating our own Facebook. Well, Facebook's already been created. We need to figure out what the next thing is and be on top of that so we can own the entirety of it. Absolutely. But like, we're Absolutely. at a disadvantage in the schooling system because, you know, our kids aren't being taught STEM to grow up in that innovative mindset. That's why right now, like, one of the things I'm involved in is bringing the first all-girls STEM charter school to Rochester. And we're going to the SED board for our capacity interview um, next Tuesday. I mean, that's just, uh, I don't talk about what I do. I don't talk about a lot of the things that I do, but it's tiring going at it in one way. So like, yeah, you guys, you guys definitely understand what I'm saying. When you're going at it grassroots and you just have the meetings, you're, you know, the budget, you're hearing about everything that's going on, but you're still going outside and you're still seeing that everything's still happening. That is tiresome because you're like, okay, well, is what I'm doing ineffective? Is there a more effective way that we can go at this? And I'm really just like, okay, well, money, money, money makes a lot of things happen, right? Because when I look at investment and I look who pays for, who puts money in the pot for certain politicians, and I see the ability they have to be able to develop, and I see the 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 things that are ignored, the social issues that get ignored based on their development because of the fact that nobody wants to disturb money, right? They still want to keep it coming into their, to their, you know, into their purse. And it's like, all right, well, these things still speak. So money's always going to speak more than five black people at a table yelling about what they, you know, how they were done wrong. People in Tulsa have been done wrong how long ago? And that yeah. was on fact. Yeah. That was on fact. That was historical. You had pictures, videos. You had bodies in the ground. They were done wrong. How many black people in America have to scream about it, right? And has it been justified? Has it been rectified? So this whole notion of, like, people just unifying and going out, even, even black people in politics, like, this system of politics is not even made for us, right? So, like, having four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty black people in the political system, this is still a white supremacist system that is not even made for us. So it's hard. It's extremely hard. It's not saying we're not doing things and we're not making things. That we're doing great things, phenomenally, but the overall system we all know is not built for us to be able to do what we're trying to do. So that's why we're always pushing 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 
instead of getting pulled towards great things that are going to have great effects on us as a whole. Black people are not the only ones essentially struggling with the same issues as like what the the lower income model of America. Low, low income white Americans are struggling too. They're still forgotten. They don't go through what we go through, absolutely. But there should be an alignment there, and there isn't. There's so, no alignment there. So to address uh, some of the stuff that you guys brought up, and man, I, I mean, it's a dynamite just to sit back and listen. Um, you know, uh, not to be lost on what you said, Kyle. Uh, the educational system, you know, when I sat on the school board in Gates Child Out here, you know, that was one of my biggest, uh, you know, driving uh, issues uh, that I had with uh, the superintendent was that, one, we needed uh, uh, more black uh, administrators. All right. We needed people that were in, in, in position to, to be a shot caller. We needed more black teachers in front of the students in the classroom, both for black and white students alike so that they could see someone who looked like them or someone who did not look like them that could also be uh, an educator, all right? We needed curriculum that addressed our historical uh, contributions to uh, U.S. history and and not just, uh, you know, uh, Martin Luther King uh, or, or Frederick Douglass or Christopher Atkins, all right? We, we, there was more people that were involved in the inventions and entrepreneurial Okay, Madam C.J. Walker, let's talk about all those different uh, uh, people that that created the capitalist um, um, endeavor in the U.S. Again, uh, you know, the cotton gin uh, exploded uh, the enslavement of black people because the fact that it made the work that we were doing for this country uh, more um, viable and, and more productive. But again, that was created by a black man, and it, it worked to the detriment and negativity of uh, black people, but it furthered the capitalistic society and slavery, enslaved people. That was a capitalistic-driven uh, uh, system. It was not meant to be abolished. It was meant to be permanent. Uh, that's why it worked so well, and that's why it evolved when the original system uh, was eradicated. Okay, um, the law enforcement being the long arm of the clans to help pr provide protection for property and to continue that enslaved system. All of these things were created as a permanent system. And the reason why it, it's such a struggle to change it, because it was not meant to be temporary. All right. And that's why I said for us to uh, fight to control our narrative, because, again, we know the African proverb says that the hunt is often told differently when it is told by the lion and not the hunter. Right. The hunter will glorify his victory over the lion. But when the lion wins, then, oh, it's a tragedy. And that's what we see so often with our black and brown uh, children, our black and brown politicians. When we fight. Uh, within the guidelines of the laws and we fight within the policies, then we're agitators and we're rebel rousers. And, and now we're breaking the system down. We just had a lot of this political fodder going on right here in Rochester with the Board of Elections. All right. Just the selection of. Right. We talk about the primaries, how you had a female African-American who was the uh, the, the, the uh, temporary uh, commissioner. And uh, the establishment within our own party fought against her uh, to see her fail. And then when she stepped aside and we went through the elections, now we have a Latina who is uh, brought into, uh, voted into uh, the position 
But again, it was supposed to have been in the hands of the legislators. But they don't want to entrust that because the predominance of those that are legislators are African-American. They're people of color. And so now they want to they want to go against the very policies that they set up that benefited them. Now they want to go against those policies because it's benefiting us. And now they don't want to follow it because it's not going to put in the people that they feel are going to keep their power base and their way of living uh, consistent. And so that's why I said the media attacking it and holding it responsible. We we cannot say that something is too irrelevant any longer because everything is a part of this systemic racism institution. And it's all relevant from Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, the Washington Redskins, all of that. If we go to sleep on one little thing. That little thing is going to manifest into a bigger thing. And that's why we got to tackle on all fronts. So that that way for for Kyle, what you're doing, you need more brothers and sisters who want to be attached to what you're doing. And y'all fight that fight. The, the fight that P is talking about, we need more brothers and sisters in that battle to fight that fight. Oh, we got the Latino calling in. Hold on, me bring him in while I talk about the other piece. Um... So also uh, for the, what the good bishop said, the, the, to bring in folk to address that issue. We don't have to be monolithic. We don't have to go after one issue at a time. All right. The system is set up to go at us in multiple fronts, and we need to have that same abstract type of fight. Right. Lee Atwater said, I can't say nigga, nigga, nigga no more. So I'm going to say something different. I'm going to talk about uh, uh, but school busing. I'm going to talk about integration, affirmative action. I'm going to talk about things that we're going to fight against, but it's going to hurt all of the black people and some of the white people who are in that same social economic construct. Marcos, welcome to the fight. Let's hear what you got to say. Uh, I hope that you were listening, but if not, uh, to bring you up to speed real quick, we had uh, the the intro of the show being, uh, can I just be black all the time? And the reason why that title of the show was made was because we noticed that when uh, President uh, Candidate uh, Biden selected uh, Kamala Harris as his VP running mate, that uh, they didn't just say African-American female. They said, oh, she's African-American and Asian or African-American and Indian. We heard the same narrative with uh, President Obama when he came in office. He wasn't just a black president. He was black and white. But when we have criminal behavior or uh, accusations made, then there's no biracial <coughs> attachment. It's, it's just straight black. Uh, and so then we went from that topic to also the post office and, and IQ 45's war on that. So right now we're talking about, uh, you know, black and white violence, the media, how we're portrayed, the narrative, how can we change or fight against that type of institutional uh, bias and whatnot. So welcome, welcome, welcome. What thank you, you thank you. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it is interesting when he made the announcement, why, why would they, why would they refer to as her as that? You know what I mean? What, what's, what's, I guess I'm, and again, I'm just throwing a question out there. Yeah, what's the, the purpose? Exactly. On the, on the call here, what, what, what's the purpose? I mean, to, personally to me, 
it doesn't really matter what a person looks like. You know, if they're qualified to do the job, man, woman, alien, whatever the case may be, you know, dark, light, whatever, doesn't matter. As long as you're capable to fulfill your obligations, use common sense, you know, um, it doesn't really matter to me. But it is interesting how, I mean, the media will say that, you know what I mean? They, they, they always throw that out there. You know, whether it's a, well, this is a, you know, and, and again, nothing, nothing against women. They can do, you know, probably more, half the jobs or most of the jobs the guys can do, but it's, oh, it's because she's a woman or oh, it's because she's this or it's, you know, I mean, I mean, quite frankly, just because you're a woman put in a position or just because you're a man and put in a position doesn't mean you can do the positions. You know, it doesn't mean you can run whatever that is, whether it's vice president or company whatever the case may be and again if you so, know if you know jamaicans you know that jamaicans are uh, a multitude of ethnicities mixed so when you say jamaican they could be chinese jamaican they could be uh uh irish jamaican you know jamaica is such a blended community you know correct so correct. for them to go that route is just crazy for me but but then there, there's no there's some jamaicans that i know for whatever reasons they do not want to be identified as african-american because if you say that to them they said no i'm a jamaican so you know that, that's what i mean the, the 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 i guess we'll call it that the, 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 the whole problem of uh, you know ethnicity versus culture versus bloodline right it's just a personal preference that's like the same thing we were discussing or in the police department you know you had uh uh, uh latin communities where you had puerto ricans you go to a, you know you go to somebody who's Dominican and think that they're Puerto Rican. They'll go up one side of you and down another. I'm not Puerto Rican. I'm not Puerto Rican. I'm Dominican. Oh, yes, that's a cultural thing that yeah. they would like. That's a side. To be honest with you, I've never really heard that um, too much within the Hispanic. We'll call it the and it encompasses everybody. You know what I mean? Now, well, let me back up. I mean. You know, like if somebody says, ask me, oh, am I Mexican? I'm gonna say, do I look Mexican? I'm I'm taller than five five. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I, I I mean, again, it doesn't to me. It doesn't matter what a person looks like if they're African American, Jamaican, from Mars or not, or whatever the case is. If you have common sense. You know, I could care less what you look what you look like. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's to me all of this again identity politics is it's. Quite frankly, it's getting old, you know. But why do they so, do that? I mean, again, we, well, I, you know what? I asked that, and I guess I'm being facetious. Why do they do that? It's the same reason why you had during uh, the, God, what was it, the Roaring Twenties, I would want to say, uh, when you had <laughs> Irish and German and Italian uh, Americans in New York City, all right? Now, everybody worked in, in those, those sweatshops, in those factories, but in order to... Uh, start to separate socioeconomically and power paradigm you know if you were german you didn't want to be associated to italians or irish right the irish didn't want to be associated to uh the hispanics or the african-americans even though though germans being the the primarily uh white or caucasian they viewed all of us in the same boat even with the asians okay but it's it's always that each group says well I might be in a bad spot, but I'm not as bad as the other. It's always you got to have somebody below you 
to make you feel better about who you are or your position. And so we know that the Catholic Church created race. They created that separation. All right. We know that years ago, uh, you you did you deemed a person a criminal or or a uh, a person who had mental deficiency by physical shape and, and physical attributes. And it wasn't until the, the Chicago School of Sociology where you had your different uh, um, uh, uh, sociologists that were doing studies within the city and urban environment of Chicago that they learned that behavior was taught. OK. And it was conditioned. And so it didn't have nothing to do with your physical attributes. It was how you were socialized. We, we, we talk about how you identify. So, I mean, if you looked at social media, I think they had uh, a black guy on there just recently uh, that was upstanding saying that, oh, you know, uh, I don't see nothing wrong with Confederate statues. And he had on uh, the uh, Confederate flag hat and all that business. He was a black guy, but he was raised by a white father, white grandfather, his entire uh, family nucleus, his inner circle was white. So he was socially conditioned that he was white. And so he identifies with white and he does not understand why black people feel the way they do about the civil war, about the Confederacy, all of that. And so he reminds me of the character from the boondocks and the Dave Chappelle character, because he's a living, uh, a black man who identifies white. Right, and we can we can talk the same thing about Eminem, right? We can say Eminem raised in Detroit, Michigan area, uh, f- uh, around uh, a black environment or urban African American environment, and so his his uh, music, his personality, you know, he won't say he black, but everything about him exhibits blackness, and the black community embraces him over other blacks who don't act in their mindset black enough which is again another topic another discussion uh during uh during the the, the next show that we'll have because we're about 15 minutes out but uh yeah I, you know what i've heard that before when i was in the, the military out west uh, uh marcos i i heard you know uh from uh mexican american uh fellow uh, soldiers as well as friends um that uh they didn't connect or identify with uh puerto ricans or dominicans they they specifically uh, was very uh, succinct in how they felt as uh, Hispanics. Yeah, now is that I, on the Hispanic, uh, with the Hispanic community, now, again, I, I totally agree with that. So I guess what, you know, you would have to ask or the, the question would be then is is that a regional thing? Because so, for example, if you're from the Caribbean, you know, Puerto Rican, Dominican, so on, it's Cuban, um, it's there's almost there's almost more of a sense of like unity amongst those different you know Dominican, Puerto Rican, Cuban versus you know an Ecuadorian or a Mexican or the Peruvian or you know what I mean. So maybe it's Absolutely. a maybe I don't know maybe they're. I, maybe I always thought those things were more aligned with like classism and colorism. To be honest with you, um, and, and and at least on when I start thinking about the Caribbean aspect because I know a lot of that came from just kind of this not wanting to be associated with, you know, what media has um, purported uh, black people in America to be and, and not wanting to be identified with any of those type of stereotypes that were, that might, you know, hold them back from living the type of life that they wanted to, you know, I I can understand that culture can be um, separational, but 
I always find it very weird when, you know, a Jamaican or somebody from the Caribbean says they don't identify as black or something like that because it just, it, it absolutely makes no sense to me. You're, you're darker than me, but you're trying to convince me that you're not the same as me, right? Like, so it's, it's just an odd thing because we know that during the transatlantic slave trade, like there were different places that Africans were dropped off. I mean, we know it, the, 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 the shipping manifests are still, you know, the, the, the history's there. Like we know these things. So we know it's all routed back to the same place, even with regard to DR, like, right. We know the difference between a lot of Dominicans sometimes might be the fact that they left Haiti and went to DR and Things have changed since then. But you can still see a lot of times Dominicans come in all different colors. There's there's definitely a spectrum, but I think that's also where the classism plays into the structure as well. A lot of times when I talk to my friends that are Puerto Rican or Dominican and the conversation of Mexican comes up or some part of Central America, there's a disdain towards the type of the type of uh, people they are in general, as if they're a lower class, or there's this there's this issue with classism that I see noted. But I feel like these are these still based around classism and, and colorism, no matter how you look at it. And it's well, just, it's the same. It's the same thing right now. It's the same thing right now as uh, those who occupy North America, Mexico, United States, Canada. All right, we know for a fact there's a whole group of people in America that look down on Mexico and Mexicans. We even talk trash at times about Canada. We're supposedly really friendly with them, you know, but we're sharing a hemisphere, all right? It's like, you know, uh, uh, Dominican Republic and Haiti, uh, 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 Aruba, uh, all the islands, you know, they have their own different, like you said, classism, but they want to have an identity with their country. That's why Mexico, Puerto Rico, they see each other as not uh, Latinos, but they see each other as different countries, different people, different class, et cetera, et cetera. And that causes some of the, of the disdain that occurs amongst them. Absolutely. But but name, name one of these places where the darker person is celebrated, right? This classism always ends up with the lighter, fairer, thinner hair, wave your hair being you know almost <clears throat> idolized in some aspect we don't need to talk about sammy sosa i hope we don't but that kind of thing it, it, it's it's not new it's not and it's been going on but you see that happening on various <clears throat> various levels in a lot of these places it's just I'm, i'll never forget i watched a video on china and i watched a whole thing about how it basically showed that the chinese community have a history of kind of like um, praising the fair skin tone. So there was a whole a whole thing about how basically white men could go to China and get paid to do all kinds of ridic ridiculous things. They get paid to be fake butlers at a new apartment complex that was being built because if other Asians saw white butlers, they assumed that this must be one of the richest establishments ever created because they have white people working as butlers. That's crazy. You have Asian, uh, like Chinese kids paying white people to go to clubs with their children at night so their, their, their children will be in the clubs in their own VIP section with white people and be seen as being more um, 
rich because of that. So th th these guys are paid actors. They make crazy money pretending to be doctors, pretending to be lawyers, pretending to be all kinds of things because it's just more trusted when it's wider. And there's this whole systemic issue that we see play out in China. You can even remember when the Africans were kicked out when the pandemic started, African um, Africans were kicked out overnight and forced to leave and go back to Africa. But we see that kind of like idolization of fair tones that, that, that translates everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah, so you brought up a great point, and and again, for those that are not familiar with that, we talk about the you know the intersectional uh, racism or the colorism. Uh, you know, it's a prejudice. All right, it's a discrimination against individuals within a dark skin tone or typically among people of the same uh, ethnic or racial group. So, just like uh, you know, some people try to make it, and, and when I say some people, I, I should just go ahead and be specific. The media talk about black on black crime. That term gets thrown around so much in other communities outside the black community that even, you know, the black community says it at time in just conversation, black on black. And it's like, come on, you know that white on white crime, uh, Latino on Latino, Hispanic on Hispanic, Asian on Asian, we all being of the human race commit offenses against one another within our own uh, social and ethnic demographic and so uh, but the media going back to that again spins the narrative that it just happens in the black community and so when I go places uh, you know I'll go to places where I, I shop and, and, and purchase things and whatnot and get into these conversations with people I, I, I consider to be uh, if not friends at least cordial you know, the question always comes up and it's always somebody that's outside of the black community or, uh, Hey, did you see that news footage about, uh, Chicago or about, uh, what happened in Rochester, man? What, what's going on over there with them people, the black on black. And it's like, wait a minute, you're talking about the impoverished environment. You're talking about that being, uh, you know, I guess, um, man, the manifestation of the pandemic and, uh, the lack of social, uh, resources so you already had problems that created this violence in the community and then you tacked on top of it a pandemic where you have to be isolated in the very place that is creating your trauma and so but the white community in the urban or in the suburban environment they can get their AR-15s and go storm capitol buildings and it's fine but they're exhibiting the same behaviors as that of the black uh, Hispanic community when they turn on one another in their own communities. And, and that's the problem that I think a lot of them, and I always mention that to them. I said, if you look at how much the white community glorifies violence against their own community, like not only do they make shows about it, I mean, look at all the Vikings, look at the Normans and the Saxons, all right? You look at all of these uh, these different uh, movies that come on, uh, Braveheart, okay, uh, Gladiator, right? They glorified it. The, the mafia uh, with the Godfather, how many series of films that we see in that, right? But they turn it around and make it seem heroic. heroic. So now you get the Italians running around saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like the Godfather, you know, you know, or the Goodfellas. They don't make shows like that with us because that's every day on the news. And they fear us. 
but we shouldn't fear them having made things where they win Oscars and whatnot, uh, Emmys, for the same glorified violence in their community, but they make it acceptable. That's tactics they've been using for generations, though, too. It ain't just with the black community. If you look at all the wars that we fought over the years, you know, back when uh, Star Wars was a big thing, I remember one of my teachers taught me about it. Uh, the Germans, their uh, 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 military gear, very similar to the way they make the stormtroopers look in Star Wars. So now you got, you know, people already looking at them as the villains, and then they use that as propaganda. It's the same thing. It's just a matter of being aware of it, you know. Same tactics. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and so, you know, again, these aren't things that's necessarily uh, put out there in the educational institutions. It's not something that's really talked about in the mainstream media. Uh, and, and, and again, I, I bring it up as an example because I kind of sit back and reflect on that. Like, in my mind, I'm sitting there saying, okay, what is my, what is my uh, uh, comeback going to be for the black-on-black crime that they say? So I pull out statistics and numbers, or I pull out examples. I said, well, what's the deal with the Goodfellas? What's the deal with the Godfather? What's the deal with Gladiator? What's the deal with the Civil War? You want to you talk about white-on-white crime. <laughs> the most bloodiest battle on domestic soil, right? It's not, a, it's not a real argument at the end of the day. Black-on-black crime, what is it? It doesn't mean anything. What, what is dog-on-dog crime? What is Asian-on-Asian crime? What is taco-on-taco crime? Like, what is it? That but doesn't they, have anything but, to do with the actual issue. I agree. The day. It's a deflationary item. You they know? make it an issue because that's the very thing that they use to justify black and uh, uh, and, and the conflict between black uh, the community and uh, law enforcement, right? We I fear for my life, so the white officer guns down an unarmed person uh, and they get off, right? But you could have a Somali officer shoot a white woman in a pink T-shirt in an alley, fear for his life, and he's in jail. It don't happen. And, and so that's the very thing. You know, we talk about, like, Captain Price working, you know, uh, making arrest of white um, offenders in Rochester. That was not the, the, the norm for black law enforcement during that period uh, of the early 1900s, you know, those those uh, officers down in Virginia, Buffalo, other places, you had to call a white officer over to help you make an arrest of a white person. And that's if that white officer deemed that the person did an offense because he could very he or she could very well say, no, nope, we're not arresting them. Right. And 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 so that's why when I created that film, Too Blue to Be Black, Too Black to Be Blue. And, and the interview with Captain Price, and he was saying, yeah, you know, I would talk with officers in other places, and they couldn't do what I could do. And I didn't think anything of it. But in essence, we still have the same things going on today. If you and I go out and do something, we're not going to get the same pass, right? We were accepted as black and Hispanic officers as long as we stayed with the culture of the white officers and the institution of policing. If you spoke up against, then you had some hard press back. And I, and I never forget before I retired, Marcos, I was in the office and a certain white officer said this in the, in the locker room. There was a officer who had a, a, a youth baseball team that I want to say was from Puerto Rico, or it might've been 
uh, it, w- w- it was from a Latin community. And the kids were using the locker room and they were changing and whatnot. And this white officer came out complaining to a Hispanic or should I say Latin supervisor. Hey, boss, what's going on? We got like it's like it's like little Havana in the locker room. And I'm sitting and looking at this dude saying this and I'm going, okay, is the sergeant going to check him or is he just going? And the sergeant sat there looking at him. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? Well, we got our our equipment out, and these kids are just running all around, and and they could get access to it and do things. And so I'm sitting there still watching him, and I'm going, is he not going to check him? And so at that point, I turned, and I walked out the door in disgust because he did not check him, and I knew that had I started, it was going to be another war because here I'm saying as many white kids that had come into our office and walked around that locker room, there was no concern. But then you had all these little uh, Latin uh, uh, baseball players in here running around, and now it's Little Havana. First of all, why are you even saying it like that, let alone what you're uh, uh, accusing them of possibly going to do? So, you know, we have too often turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to implicit and overt racist behaviors and we got to check it on all levels we cannot let it get a pass because it bleeds over into other areas and that's the exhaustion that kyle was talking about you know that's the thing that i've talked about i know that pierre's talked about it his 30 years and and marcos i'm sure you got stories as well brother and it's just you know uh the good bishop on here doing his security stuff i know he didn't run into some things so we all have a story you know, Blake, being, uh, you know, a, a, a dependent of someone who worked in law enforcement, you know, what was it like for him to go into school and other social settings knowing that your family member, your father, represents the very thing that creates trauma in those same communities? How was he embraced? Cause I know how I was embraced. How was he embraced? So we got about three minutes, uh, fellas. I know I went a little long on that, but I, I wanted you guys to wrap up with your final thoughts here. We give like 15 seconds apiece. Uh, uh, P, you want to go first or you or what you want to do, brother? No, I'm, yeah, it's just uh, we just got to continue to look at every avenue that is available for uh, making inroads with the problems we're facing. We can't, we can't run from these issues. We have to run at the issues. If not, nothing's going to change. You know, we'll just be spinning our we'll just be spinning our wheels, and it's unnecessary. There are there are ways to go about it. Bishop. Well, I'm thinking like uh, we need to. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm hearing all kind of stuff in the background, but yeah, we need to find some other ways to um, to engage and make sure um, folks get out and vote. Whether you believe she's a uh, black female or not, um, the, the problem is we got to get Trump out. So absolutely, absolutely, Kyle. I think that's what uh, Kyle's in the background. All right, so we, Blake will go so we no. can get Kyle out. No, nah, nothing else really to add. Um, same thing as every week. Just stay safe out there. Uh, stay COVID clean. All right, Marcos. Yeah, same thing. Just you know, nothing too much to add. Just. Stay safe. Drink a lot of whiskey, and you got a mask. <laughs> there you go. 
You get a round of applause for that. I'm with that. All right, then. So I would close out uh, final final minute here with uh, a song, man. Uh, I know it's a little controversial, but hey, what the hell? Um, it's about uh, Brianna Taylor, man. You know, she's got to have justice. She was an EMT, a public safety member, and gunned down in her bedroom uh, because of the lack of due diligence by the officers' investigation. And uh, and quite frankly, some lying that was done, and so we're gonna we're gonna go out with that. And gentlemen, y'all stay safe, man. And enjoy your weekend. And and we'll be get, uh, back here on Two Blue Black, Two Black to Be Blue, uh, next Friday. You can re-air and hear this uh, show re-aired rather at three to five every uh, every day. All right, so here All we right. go. The killers of Brianna Taylor. All of y'all who think we need more evidence, you goofy. I said arrest the killers of Brianna Taylor. And Elijah McClain, too. Y'all hold that boy. Arrest the killers of Brianna Taylor. All of y'all who think we need more evidence, you goofy. I said arrest the killers of Brianna Taylor. You catch the vibe? I get off my page.